0: Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, we're still working from home during a global pandemic. And I am so happy to bring you a brand new episode. This episode does have some small audio issues, so I do apologize about that. And it is still a very great episode to listen to. I would even say share it because we have incredible guests and it is golden pj mcguire is here from raparoo.com in 2016 she made that dream come true when she appeared on the home shopping network as a finalist she introduced her invention the raparoo a unique all-in-one t-shirt hair towel and protective styling cap selling out the product on the first show recently in response to covid 19 pj started home sewing and donating protective face masks using leftover raparoo fabric and n99 filters She launched a Buy One, Give One sale that has generated donations of more than 1,000 high-quality, multifunctional, reusable masks to medical workers in the Chicago region. And we will talk about more about how she actually donated masks to me here in the New York City area.
1: Thank you, PJ.
0: Also new on the show, new friend to you, good friend of mine, Danielle Diva-Williams. She's just an incredible person that I met while in Arizona at the house of comedy. She is a comic, a media personality battling stage four lung cancer as a non-smoker. Diva is beating cancer with a positive outlook as well. She's launching a campaign to help more understand the facts really shared about the rising cases of lung cancer amongst non-smokers. Make sure you follow her Diva Williams to learn more returning friend to the show jenny saldana is here she's a writer actress stand-up comedian and a breast cancer rock star all around hotness she was also on this season of hbo's high maintenance check out her video series the little brown Girls show on youtube and facebook live i want to thank all of our listeners of friends like us because of you we make some pretty impressive lists like Oprah magazine rating us a podcast that every woman should listen to we think everyone, of course. We're in Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Our Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast, and Twitter is friendslikeus10. You can get more from friends. Just go to our Patreon page. Give us a donation. Support us. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us. We hope our listeners. Are helping to stop the spread by social distancing and if you can by staying home and being smart when things do reopen which is coming soon so continue to be smart and wear your face masks get one from wraparoo and with friends like us it will help you feel not so long because more content is on the way most important tell someone you know to
1: check us out and wash those dirty nasty
0: hands i am so happy to have Thank you guys for showing up early. Like I was like, what's going on? There no, I'm here all by myself. <laughs> no, you got us now, girl. We're all here waiting for you. Now, Diva, I will say the sound is a little bit echoey from your side. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. Welcome to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here. You're all meeting for the first time. Jenny Saldana, PJ McGuire, Danielle Williams. Um all of you are just amazing women and I'm I'm like I don't know if I if even 2 hours is enough time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to first I'm going to start with PJ Because, um, oh, and just so you know, PJ, Ginny is a comedian as well. So I said earlier before we started that Ginny is a breast cancer rock star as well as comedian, funny lady. And Danielle is also diva. (laughs) She is diva comedian who I met in, I was about to say Australia. (laughs) But it feels like it when I go to Arizona. (laughs) But okay. she's, it is so hot there. But uh, yeah, so I met her while I was there performing at the House of Comedy in Arizona. And PJ, so you guys know, is the entrepreneur, rock star also from Rapparoo, which started making masks, ask, actually. um, But originally, I'll let you take it, PJ. I want you to tell us about your company, Rapparoo.com. So
1: originally, uh, before the mask and the pandemic hit, I started my company because one morning I was getting ready, completely ruined a blouse, uh, putting in hair product, and just realized that I needed something that would handle all the mess and craziness and, you know, the the sprays and the gels and the stuff of my hair and beauty routine. And so um, I kept thinking about it for days and I finally invented Wraparoo. And what it is, is a t-shirt hair drying towel that doubles as an at-home styling cape. So you can do everything from dye your hair, paint your nails on it, uh, do your makeup, wash and go hairstyling. Pretty much anything that's messy, it gives you an at-home cape and a towel and the same product. I love it.
0: Now, no one was thinking about any of this when you came up with this, right? This was like because I always think about. I was thinking about when I go to the. I still get when I did get my hair cut. Let's just say, and they and they wrap that around you. It's nice that yours is actually, it gets warm, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And one side of it is a towel, a nice t-shirt towel fabric. And then the other side is water uh, resistant. Yeah. See, I love that. And then you've gone on. It absorbs the water. When you have it on as a cape, it actually absorbs the water instead of having to just roll off and land on the floor and land on your feet.
0: Now, I think that this is such, it's such a luxury now to even talk about hair, (laughs) you know, but you went on the Home Shopping Network with this with your brand, and tell us what happened.
1: Uh, so I went on Home Shopping Network. I ended up going on twice. The first time I ended up selling out a minute after I went on air. Went back a second time, sold thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, units, and realized how much I really love being on TV. That was probably the, the biggest part of That's it. Amazing.
0: Isn't that it's amazing. And like when did that start for you the idea of just making something that people want to buy?
1: So the, I started the business about 5 years ago and originally I just made the first prototype for myself. I used a raggedy towel that I had around the house and a broken umbrella and made the first one and my dad was actually the one who was like uh, I think people will buy this and you need to get a patent. And of course I was like dad whatever no. And now we realize he was right. <laughs> you know, our parents are always right. Like, we don't want them to be, but they are always right. Yes. So dad was right. Like, I did a Kickstarter campaign. A few months later, I was on Good Morning America, and it just took off from that's there. That's amazing. He was right. What was it like going you know. on in Morning America? That, to be perfectly honest, that was my first time ever doing live TV, and it was utterly terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, that's why I'm curious. But, yeah. It was such a rush that I would do any live TV again in a heartbeat if I'm given the opportunity. Oh, wow. But I was terrified. Like, I thought I was going to puke before I went actually, like, on air and the cameras came on. Good morning. That's, like, a big
0: show. So who, did, who was there? Who were the guests? And I honestly don't even
1: remember. Oh, <laughs> the whole thing is like, a was Michael, blur.
0: Wait, good morning. This is Michael Strahan, right?
1: No, I think he's on the Today Show, no, right? No, that's, oh, that's Good the- Morning America. Good morning America yeah. okay he wasn't there this was years ago this was like five years okay. ago he wasn't there he wasn't no there. So but I got to meet Robin Roberts and like oh. it was just it was so sweet because she's just like okay anytime I have any person of color on the show as a guest she always takes time to like come backstage and talk to you and see what you're doing and she's an absolute sweetheart that's I awesome. do have absolute sweetheart
0: that's amazing I also have a question about Getting a patent, I don't know, I'm like I'm doing these questions, but I don't know stuff right like <laughs> I'm still a comic patent, I don't know about you guys, but I've never even thought about having to get a anything patented. I't you... got
2: something patented, really like what uh it never happened, so you can take this because I don't <laughs> you know how when you wear boots and they have like the zippers on it and it and it the boot can in cause like an indentation in the boot and it can hurt. Like for me, it used to irritate my leg. So I wanted to create something like maybe, maybe like, um, like, like a silicone cushion, for the it's something like almost like a brace that you would wrap around your leg and then put the boot. First of all, it'll keep the shape of the boot and then it wouldn't dig into your legs. And
0: it was called boot ease. <laughs> that sounds cool. I would have bought it actually. <laughs> I would have bought that. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't, you had, what happened? I
2: didn't have the money. It's a lot of money to get into a patent and all that stuff. And I, and I got scammed. I went to one of those places that just basically one of those patent that you see on TV and you paid all this money just to get this book made of the patent. Like, uh, yeah. So I was like, uh, I paid all that money and it didn't happen. So, um, yeah. So you're welcome to have that idea. Just, just give me one for free. <laughs> give me one for free and I'm good. <laughs>
0: So PJ, how did you, is it very expensive? How much is it?
1: Is it the same? Um, It's, so I, my friends jokingly call me the most resourceful person they've ever met. Um, So I ended up, I grabbed a bunch of patent law books and read patent law books and wrote my patent myself. Wow. So I only had to pay an attorney to actually file it. I didn't have to pay an attorney to do any of the research or to write it or to do any of the diagrams. I did everything and then just handed it off. Wow. That's amazing. That is that amazing. is amazing. And it went through in record time. But I think that's partially because when you have someone else do a patent for you, no one knows your idea better than you know your idea. So you have the ability to really explain it in a way that when the patent officers are going through and, and checking, they they understand it better if you're the one who writes it. And then I went the additional step, having read all the patent law books and g- getting all the information is instead of just submitting it, I actually submitted it with all the other products that they may think are like mine. And I explained why it's not. Mm. So then I cut out the whole need for appeals. and then coming back, ask questions. So I cut all of that out. Smart.
0: What, where did you go to school? Cause I see a biology degree here and I'm like, what happened to the biology part? <laughs> <laughs> I did
1: nothing with it. <laughs> yeah, I went to Ohio University. I was a biological sciences major, planning to go be a surgeon. And life just didn't work out that way. So I was in pharma and medical device sales. But besides that, I have not used my degree at all.
0: I think so, though, in a way, because now you've even transformed your business into a survival, like during this pandemic, there's a lot of you know, small businesses, you know, where they're struggling and they're trying to figure out how to change. I was just watching on The View, the woman who was arrested and put in jail for opening her hair salon because she wanted people to work. And I'm thinking now you're a person who started Rapparoo. That's something that you would think could be in trouble because it's like, it's a luxury, right? To have something like that right now or to even go to a hair salon. But this is something you've done, okay? She became a- incredibly motivated to help in the making of masks. And after initially sourcing materials in the March of 2020, PJ started home sewing and donating protective masks, face masks, using leftover roof fabric and N99 filters she had on hand. She was spurred to action after hearing the anguish stories of her healthcare professional friends treating COVID-19. I have 10. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Keisha can't read and she also make it COVID-10 to a lesser degree. Treating COVID-19 patients in Chicago area hospitals to meet the soaring demand for both donating and for sale masks. So she launched a buy one, give one sale that has generated donations of more than 1,000 high quality multifunctional reusable masks to medical workers in the Chicago region. I, I read it quite awful, but I want you, I want it to really come from you. Like, what was that moment for you going back where you were just like, I have to do something?
1: I mean, it was literally one of my friends um is a physician. Won't we'll call her out and put her name up there, but she ended up, she ended up catching it and she had COVID. And so as she's just kind of explaining what's happening and how You have nurses who are literally using the same N95 mask for a whole day or two days. And I just got angry, just really, really angry that how dare we live in a country with this level of wealth and resources and we have people risking their lives to save other people's lives and they don't have what they need. So at that point, I literally just went in my closet, got some fabric and pulled my sewing machine out and just went to work and started sewing them. And then after I gave them to a few nurses, they gave me some suggestions on how to kind of change the pattern. Um, And so I just adjusted the pattern, put in all their recommendations and just all day, every day, I just sat at home and sewed. And then finally I was in an article for Medium and people, once they read the article, kept emailing and messaging me saying like, can I please buy one of the masks? And I'm like, no, I'm making them to give away. And finally one day I just was like, okay. And I woke up that morning and literally put everything I needed to put together and launched it like 18 hours later. Wow. And it kind of, ex- and it kind of <laughs> exploded. Um, so it very quickly transitioned from me sewing the mask to me actually having my staff of sewers um, do all of it. Cause there was no way I could sew enough to fulfill all the orders. So it worked out on multiple levels because people are getting masks. There's lots of donations I'm able to give. I'm able to pay my staff to continue sewing and I'm sourcing different materials from small owned businesses, family owned businesses. So at the end of the day, it's worked out that kind of the full universe of people around me are getting what they need. Wow. Nice. Oh, and look, you have your mask right there.
0: (laughs) Yes, I have my mask. I have several of them that I have been promoting on my Instagram in my story, and I'm going to definitely be overly promoting it this week because, one, they're very cute, okay? They they make me oh, feel good, good <laughs> when I'm out. I just wanted you to know, like I go to the farmers market on Saturdays, and I'm hey, like, hey, who's got a face mask like mine? So, and I love it. I love the um the way that they operate
1: because is this this is the that's top, that's the right? inside. So if you flip it the other way, yeah, oh. it'll be more comfortable with that being the outside. It'll you'll, <laughs> all of a sudden you're gonna be like, oh, this is even better mask than I thought it was. <laughs> and that's and top. this is yep. the top part, right? And so what I'm doing this week is I'll be sending out um, something called a cord lock as well as stretch cord. Because when I initially, as I said, in literally a 24 hour period of time, decided to like sell these and launch them, um, like materials were just scarce. Like you couldn't find elastic anywhere. And if you could, you really shouldn't buy elastic because you need to keep it for actual like PPE and healthcare providers. Um, so I ended up using something called waxed cord, which the nurses all said it's great. You can wash it a billion times and it's very sturdy. But I placed an order for actual stretch cord, which is like wax cord, but it's a little bit stretchy, but it just got here on Friday. So I'm literally mailing the cord lock and stretch cord to every single customer who has ordered in the last month. So that's what I'll be doing. So you'll be getting oh, some wow. stretch cord <laughs> in the mail. In case you prefer oh, to have it stretchy cool. instead of having it just a solid cord. Yeah,
0: I, I was going to ask you that is what has been the things that you've changed as you've you, you're developing these masks and you just answered it. So, yeah, because I was also thinking like this part, um this I didn't realize this was the 99 filter. filter. So a lot of people did. Out. I have <laughs> mailed
1: more of those out than I can count at this point. Because people were like, "I was expecting it." I'm like, "No! If you take apart an N95 mask, that's that little film is the yes. only thing that's in the middle of it." But people don't know that. So, you know, it's amazing that
0: you you. I never it's thought it was that. This, this is thin. the thing that protects. It's incredible. People. Absolutely amazing. People don't know this, and they kind of need to know that it's it's very. it looks like just for our listeners who are hearing this, like fabric softener, right? like if you a little square piece of fabric is that thin i for some reason, I thought it was this sick like you no. know protective thing it's it's
1: it's it's simple. kind of magic like <laughs> it is literally magic the uh the material it's called a non-woven spun bond polypropylene is actually the the name of it. And it comes in a variety of different filtrations. So for example, the hospital ones that they use in the hospital are N95, which means they filter 95% of particles um, down to 0.3 micron and then 0.03 micron. And then the N99 that I'm using, those filter 99% um, down to 0.01 microns.
0: So which one, I know this is gonna sound like a kind of a rude question, but which one is more protective? Is it the, the 99 99? is actually more
1: protective, but then the 99 has less breathability than the 95. Because the ni- yes. yeah, I found that out. But here's the thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're wearing a straight cotton mask, a bandana on your face, an N95 mask. They all suck. They're all hard to breathe in. All of them get hot. Hopefully your breath is minty fresh because you're just smelling your own hot breath. Like there's no getting around it. It literally doesn't matter what, which That's one you're That's one way of... It doesn't matter. It's going to be
0: useful for dates, Seriously, huh, ladies? Make
1: sure the breath is fresh.
0: Yeah, you could just put this on first and then go out, like, when we don't have to have masks anymore. And then you're okay, like, oh, it's, it's okay. Fresh. And then it's just, like go out. <laughs> <laughs> but are you both, uh, Ginny, Diva, yes. are you wearing masks?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I'm rarely going out, though, but I have, I don't have, I just, I have two masks. One came with a dress, I guess, like you said, it, I ordered a dress and they... <laughs> They made the dress. So they threw that in there. I guess they're throwing in masks in there. And then I have one. I'm obsessed with Wonder Woman. I don't, I don't know if you can see all my Wonder Woman stuff, but like I'm obsessed with Wonder Woman. Here's all my Wonder, Wonder Woman stuff. <laughs> um, and um, uh, I got a, a Wonder Woman mask that I wear. But yeah, so, but I, I literally, if it's not, if it's not bare essentials, if it's not to go to the supermarket, I'm not leaving my apartment, so
0: you know. So and you know, just so you know, PJ has donated masks to me in New York City. Now she's based in Chicago. You both didn't mm-hmm. know that, but she's that. based in Chicago. Oh, you did know. Okay, she told I was, us. Oh, I just I can't remember what I'm saying <laughs> anymore. Okay, I just want to make sure I cover it all, but she's based in Chicago. So I asked my sister, Leah, who is helping her, she's working with her. And I was like, do you think, do you think that PJ would send enough masks to New York City for the nurses here? Or, or, cause I work with Imagine Society, Jeannie Gaffigan, Ginny, you know, Jeannie Gaffigan, um, non organiz- nonprofit organization. And I just felt, PJ, I felt helpless at home by myself. I'm like, Jeannie was doing all this with her girls. They were getting masks from all these areas. And I was like, Jeannie, I don't know what you guys are doing. I just get one mask from Amazon here, one mask from Etsy. But going to you, PJ, it felt like a reliable source. You're a woman of color, which like, I just love giving back to that. And it was also nice communicating with you about this. And then, figuring it out at home and contacting the organization Calvary, which is in the Bronx. Dr. Kolinsky referred me to them. Oh, very nice. Um, it's a hospice care, you know, for, for patients. And so this week we'll be dropping off room masks to Calvary. And it I just, mean, I, I,
2: a mask.
0: yeah, I have so many, I went back and because they're so cute. I have like different, I should have that organized and have it set up for you but here we go drop one in the <laughs> mail for me marina <laughs> um they're so i mean hold on because i'm i'm looking now for i guess i'm not that organized
2: so you um, remove the film uh, you keep PJ, You remove the film to wash yes, you
1: remove the film to wash it and then the other thing that you can do it's so funny i'm like do i have one laying around here ah. is you can actually there's a pocket inside of it where the filter goes so for nurses, they can mm-hmm. put an N95 mask or respirator inside of the actual mask. So instead oh, of their mask yes, being out you. and exposed to germs, they can just pull it mm-hmm. out and then wash yeah. the, the outer mask. So got like, it. so like this. Yeah, you one. just shove it in there. I yeah. just shoved
0: it in here, and it's extra for the ears.
1: Yeah. And it's
0: also the only thing I'm having problems with is my gla- glasses keep That's, fogging up. Oh, I put. You know what?
2: I make sure that if the mask, I make sure that I the glasses. Are I didn't on have top it on of right. Yeah, I didn't I'm have the I had the, the... Mask on wrong.
0: Anyway. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be running out. I remember PJ sent me a video. She's like, Marina, this is how you can put this inside. You don't have to put it over. Yeah. So, and if you yeah. take
1: a, um, if just... you have a file folder, this is the best thing. No matter what mask you buy from anyone, not even a wrap room mask. If you take the metal off of a file folder and attach, either put it inside the pocket of the wrap room mask. Or just like super glue it on to whatever mask you bought that has enough bend that you can literally bend it around your glasses and around the nose and it'll stop it.
0: Ah, that's so brilliant! Oh my gosh, she just
1: <laughs> went McGuire on us! Oh my! It's actually it's <laughs> the same metal gauge as when you buy the N95s uh-huh. and they have the little nose wire thing. It's the exact same metal gauge, so it's the same bendability. That makes sense. I learned that I was calling around trying to find (laughs) actual nose wires here in the US so I didn't have to like source them and bring them in from China. And when I called one of the metal companies here in the US, the guy was just like, We're way backed up. We can't get you anything for at least a month and a half. But let me tell you what to tell people to do. Take a hanging file folders. Wow. That's the
0: difference between, and this is why I asked you before, like, when did that start for you? Because this is really unique to who you are, because there's a lot of people who sit and they think about things, but they don't act on it. Like this had to start at a really young <laughs> age for you. And I think I read something that, that as a child, you did. Yeah. You did stuff like this before. Like you wanted to like t- t- tell me about. I mean this that. is
1: just the core of my being and who I am. Um, as a child, I was the kid that took stuff apart and put it back together. I was the kid who would just take just different. My father had a construction company, so there was always building materials around. And I was just always just throwing stuff together and just building random stuff. And so it's just kind of part of who I am. Like I love building things, putting things together. Anything where I can have the idea, and then at the end of it, you have a physical thing there to look at. It's just kind of, it's just how I'm wired. And I'm a busybody as well. I'm a busybody. Now, what well. I'm a Chicago... busybody. That too. Spray. I will send you one.
0: <laughs> well, you have, to, you have to buy it, Jenny, because if you buy it, then it donates to but a I'll mask. buy it. I don't care. I want one, a red one. they're so cute I love them it made me feel really nice in my in my space that I had like these cute masks because you just you're like and I've had to like yell at my neighbor Gene because he had one of those old like you know those filtered masks that you use to clean up the house or like dust and I was like Gene I'm not going to give him the flower we Flower, flower one <laughs> that I have that'll be forcing Jean into something different. But um, I wanted to ask you about your team. You have a team yes. working with
1: you, right? Um, so I tried on several occasions to move my manufacturing overseas. And uh, sometimes the universe just tells you that is not what you're supposed to be doing, <laughs> whether you want to or not. And every time I tried, something went terribly wrong, whether like the tariffs hit COVID hit, all kinds of stuff just kept happening. And so years ago, I finally decided that I was just going to keep them domestic. I went around and brought together a collective of women who sew. Um, they're all mothers and you know they've got their families. And so they have the option they can either sew at home. And I did go to their homes and make sure it's all clean and all of that. And they have dedicated sewing areas or they can go into the factory and sew. So for this, they, they're still sewing wraparoos, but they're now sewing masks. Okay. And in they, their home. So literally they drop their kids off in the morning. They'll come home, sew wrappers, <laughs> pick their kids back up from school, sew more wrappers. And I specifically always work with, and for sewing, I hire um, women of color. So they're all black and brown women.
0: See, this is, this is what I'm talking about. When I hear this woman on The View talking about how she had to open up her hair salon, I'm like, I, okay, I hear the one part of you said your employees need to get back to work because they're starving. But I'm like, you didn't think about other ways. Look, look at all the inventions and and the ways she's like planning outside. There are ways to get around this. There are ways to invent, you know, and you have people people working. working.
1: I have people working. Um, I have a separate person who does the cutting um, of the fabric. Yeah. Like I hired um, just even in terms of like buying materials, like the bags that I ship them in are eco-friendly bags that I buy from a family-owned business in Joaquin, which is like an hour outside of Chicago. So it's really the stretch cords came from a um manufacturing plant in Blue Island, Illinois. So it's really an opportunity to not just keep my staff and my team working, but to make sure that I'm kind of helping the economy and helping businesses around Illinois.
0: Now, what do you think they could have done with the hair salon? Now you, th- you think about hair salon, it's like, I mean, I'm asking you because you're so creative and innovative, but what what would you have done? Like, let's just say you did hair. Hair is not an easy thing to kind of figure out as far as social distancing. And this is for everybody, by the way, Diva and Gina,
1: Jeannie. Jeannie. Just that fast, <laughs> I thought of something. So everyone now, we're all stuck doing our hair at home. And those of us that are used to going into the salon, it could be, we have Zoom, we have FaceTime, we have Google Duo, then why not charge a slightly reduced rate from normal hair and teach people how to do their hair in their own bathroom? Exactly.
0: She could have done that and with her one of her slime. stylists like would have just, like,
1: their client base, they would have just done virtual hairstyling education appointments. Now, Jenny's looking up like she's not sure.
2: Yeah, because, I, I well... <laughs> I used to, when I was in the corporate world, I Get used to- Get your hands up, out your face. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know, my goodness. When I was in the corporate world, I worked for Procter & Gamble, I worked for P&G Beauty. And so we did We did teach people how to do things over the phone. Like We did teach people how to, how to correct hair color over the phone. But I would not, I know I can't cut my own hair. And I know that I can definitely color my own. I can definitely, cut. I know how to color my hair because that's what I did for Procter & Gamble. But I know that I wouldn't. I could not cut my own hair and I can definitely not blow out my own hair. Come I ahead, say this is
3: where you have to get creative. You have to watch those girls on YouTube and start wearing yes. a robe. You have to go back to your your roots or your, your, you know, some cultural, you know, intervention and sometimes get creative. Like me, I like throw on a wig because my hair, I keep my hair short. I even got my hair cut shorter than yours, Marina, because it started falling out from my chemo. So i got it cut really short but then i just put on a wig or sometimes i'll wrap my hair put my big earrings on and i watch these girls on youtube and they do all these different variations of the wigs they do the variations of the head wraps and it just makes you play with your look but it takes your hair that may be a hot mess right now or you can braid it or learn how to braid because everything is online so you can watch a video there's all kind of products that you have in your house you can get creative with and make your own sugar scrubs if you feel like your feet are rough and your elbows are dry and i mean there's all kinds of stuff you can do we all got cocoa butter i mean we all got vaseline that works for a number of things so yeah you just got to watch these videos and step outside your comfort zone and use what's in your cupboard and get creative and just have some fun with it and maybe alter your style for a little while and then go back to what works for you that you were doing on the regular when the salons everything open back up But that's what I think.
2: Like, I don't understand why people feel the need to have to go to the salon when you're home. I mean, where are you? I'm still in my pajamas. Like, where am I going to go? Like, this is like, when I run to the store, I put on a hat over this head. I put on a coat or a hoodie. I've gone out in my pajama top. I'll just change the bottoms because I live in Times Square. And one too many times I ran into an ex and I was like walking on my pajamas in my neighborhood. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't be doing that in times square so i at least put on pants and a jacket and that's it like i'm not this is the least amount i've ever cared about how i look ever because i don't i don't have you know uh,
0: yeah i but i understand but, the need to get back to work or or to, i do understand that i just think that this particular woman with this, this hair salon was showing some type of, uh, well, laziness, just inability to do what Diva was saying, like, just, you know, change, figure it out. But you
2: know what my issue with the reason I'm not too mad at that woman is because when the Lord, when, when the, um, when the judge called her selfish uh, this is, a, this was in Texas and Texas is going to open up two days later. So it's selfish today, but not two days from now. Like, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, it, that's where I was like, you know, they were going to open up. She couldn't, that's what I'd be like, either wait the extra two days, but she didn't know that at the time. And you know, that that's what bugged me. That Like it was, they were going to open up the city anyway. So, Oh, I'm going the city is like,
0: yeah. And they're still showing numbers. It's it's beyond me, but um, I am curious, PJ, about this journey about getting source material from China in 2018. That was 2018, because you know this whole thing about make America great and you know having products only from America, America brand. What Mm -hmm. was that like going to China? Like what
1: what was going on? I mean, the challenge is as much as the whole make America great and let's have everything made in the USA. It's at this stage in the game, it's not feasible. We do not have the infrastructure to make the majority of the things that we need here in the US. And this whole COVID-19 is proof of that. Okay, we're running short on PPE. We can't get PPE from China and we're struggling to make enough in the US. Why? Because we don't have the infrastructure to make it. So the the challenge is that we don't have the infrastructure to make what we need. In terms of a textile, if you have a textile fabric product, like the textile industry in this country is dismal. It's very, very small. And it costs three to four times more than what you get when you source it from China. So as a small business, we don't really have much of a choice if we want to have decent margins and actually like make money instead of lose money. We don't have much of a choice but to, to bring in supplies from other countries. And whether you just bring in the raw materials or you have all your manufacturing done overseas, financially, it's just a decision that most small businesses end up having to make. Because people say, everybody says they want Made in America, but they don't want that extra buffer of Made in America pricing. They want Made in America, help the economy, all of that stuff, but they want the prices from when you make it in China. See, it's not, this is what you don't hear enough of right
0: there. Because everyone's just getting the headlines Mm -hmm. made in America or um, what you get Trump always yelling about China. But we don't understand like what you just explained is very detailed. It needs to be (laughs) emphasized over and over again what the real problem is. And then so the international trade
1: agreement, that is that what impacted you as far as that? And he um, increased the tariffs. So I was bringing my fabric in and then having um, my team sew it here in the U.S. um, And the tariffs and duties that I have to pay to bring in fabric is now um, up 26%. Exactly. The faces that you guys all just did. Yeah. So, and that's, and that goes back to the challenge again. We want made in America products, but we aren't willing to pay extra. It costs, if I take my manufacturing, even with the tariffs and move it over to China, I save almost 60%, but no one's willing to pay 60% more for my product. So it just doesn't, it doesn't really work out, unfortunately.
0: So what would be, what would you think would be the solution for this going forward? Would it be to have more textile or? I
1: mean, the solution from, from a long, it's a long-term solution. This is not a short-term solution as much as the administration wants to pretend that it is. I mean, it truly is going to have to be, there's going to have to be some type of legislative tax breaks, incentives for businesses to keep manufacturing in the U.S. And in addition to that, there needs to be incentives for people to open up and create manufacturing plants on a variety of different industries here in the U.S. Because I can all day long say this and make them in the U.S., but one of the fabrics at my product, they, it's literally not a single manufacturer in the U.S. that makes this fabric. I have no choice but to get it from taiwan korea or china
2: basically what we need to do what's going to need to happen if we really want to make things back in america again is have a whole industrial revolution again like it has to be that it has to be people starting to build like new york city you know my obsession with new york city history like the reason new york was a was a blue-collar city it was a city that made things seventh avenue was all i mean that that statue of the man uh, on the sewing machine on 7th Avenue is because clothes were made right here on 7th Avenue. That's why it's called Fashion Avenue. But when we started outsourcing, when we started doing things after the war, after the Second World War, um, we we started outsourcing. And at first it was because we were broke because we spent all our resources on the war. But then we just, we became, for lack of a better term, we became a more sophisticated country. And the more sophisticated become, you become, the less you work with your hands. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. Yes. So, um, so that has, and then that affects everyone and it's a trickle down effect, right? So like I'm an immigrant, so when immigrants come here, they come here to work with their hands, but there isn't a lot of handy work to do. Right. So that's when people get in trouble because all they know how to do, maybe they don't know how to read or write, but they can, they can sew or they can, or they're a cobbler or whatever, but then you don't, you don't know how to read or write. You definitely don't speak your own language. You don't speak their, that new language and you come to this country and then what do you do? You end up on a corner selling crack, you know, cause you or got pim- or pimping, family. pimping. Or pimping. Is another or one. Selling, yeah. Or, selling, or, or, you know, or a cousin g- gives you a job at a, at a dry cleaner, you know?
0: That's what I'm reading right now in my quarantine. Iceberg slim, the, the pimp. Oh, I love that. pimp. That's one of my favorite books. It changed my life. <laughs> it's taken me a long time to get through it though. Oh
2: my God. Yeah. I love having a bottom hope.
0: I need to read but- this book. <laughs> It. it's kind of beautiful it, at first I was feeling like weird that I'm no, reading it because a, it's about pimping but it's it's actually talks about this about how he had no other this was after it was 1946 and there were no jobs and yeah. his father wasn't there for him because his father didn't have a job and so being a pimp and hustling hustling heroin or crack or whatever that was or not crack, but, you know, that was the only option. And a lot of people look down on us, you know, or on black people or brown people or, you know, inner city for a lot of these these things. But it's there's always a reason for it. And when you read about it, you're just like, oh, my God, I've been like in my own quarantine, kind of getting angrier and angrier and angrier about everything. How are you guys dealing with with your your feelings? And I'm sure, PJ, you must be with that frustration. I'm sure that sewing has helped and just doing this has relieved a lot. But do you still get I'm frustrated? I'm still frustrated.
1: I'm now frustrated with the whole just being at home all the time. Um, yesterday, I got so frustrated. I went to Lowe's, put my mask on, went to Lowe's, bought paint and painted my bedroom yesterday. Because I just needed something to do. I'm just tired of just being here. Yeah, you just needed something. I'm too afraid. Like my
2: building, there are people with active cases of COVID in my building. So I'm actually even just more restricted to my apartment, unless it's to go to the supermarket or anything like that, or or just to take a walk because I need to get out. Um, Because I'm definitely feeling flabby. I'm definitely drinking. You know, I, I drink a bottle. I go to Trader Joe's, stock up on wine, and I'm like... It's almost time to go to Trader Joe's again. So, um, I think uh, I'm a social person. I mean, as a comedian, you know, you want to be around people and you want to, that's why I appreciate these. Uh, I'm doing another, uh, podcast via zoom tonight. Uh, and that's why I appreciate them because it's a way to connect with people and, 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 and be around people. So I really do appreciate that, but I want to go back to, uh, the book iceberg slim pimp, cause it did change my life. Um, there is a code of ethics that that that, that pimps have and, and I learned so much. Like you think it's a funny book or you think it's a stupid book, but there's so much that you learn from what this man writes about his experience, right, Marina? Like it is I I have the book here. It's one of my favorite books. It's Pimp by Iceberg Slim, who Ice T named himself after Iceberg Slim.
0: Well, you just think about the way this, the government works. I mean, yeah. they, they they act like pimps in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I do want to, I want to get back to this. This is something that made me, I didn't understand. I had a friend call me and I was telling her about how PJ gave me the masks and I was really excited and, and it relieved me of a lot of my anger it did you know just seeing the box come in <laughs> let me tell you i ran downstairs i was like i was like i got to get those masks i don't want anyone to take them but i was telling my friend she was her I, I can't say who she is but she got angry she was like i don't understand all these little homemakers making masks like what's it going to do it's it's just like like all these little news stories about these little ladies coming out and making masks for people like it's so what? Like, it's not going to do anything. It's just to protect you. It's not, and I was just like, I mean, I'm going to, ew, I don't like well, her. <laughs> I think when somebody says something like that to you, it's because they don't understand the
3: whole picture. They're only looking at it from one small perspective. Mm-hmm, their mm-hmm.
2: perspective is, come a little closer.
3: And their perspective is, this, it hasn't affected me. I don't know anybody who hasn't. And so I can't see the bigger picture as to why we're even bothering with this. Because they don't take it personal because it hasn't affected their life. But as a grand scale, everybody else can see the magnitude of it. They see the importance of it. And I think because she doesn't see the importance of it or value it in the way of it being as a serious issue as it is, she sort of dismisses it. And you can hear it in her tone of voice the comments she made and the way she reacted to you being so enthusiastic over a a mask, which ultimately has, the mask plays a bigger role than just being a mask that you receive. It makes you feel good that someone takes the time to care about about you enough to Mm you something that's going to affect your life going forward during this pandemic. It also shows thoughtfulness that it's on a broader scale that she's not just thinking about herself and I'm talking about PJ. She's making them for, you know, a bigger community of people who are seeing this on a daily basis things that we can't see it's almost like the medical professionals are now the individuals who are sent off to war they're seeing things that we can't see or grasp and they're dealing with things on an emotional level that we can't comprehend but we're seeing parts of it through news stories through case studies through you know reports but they're the ones who are on the front lines seeing the heartache having the person you know on the outside not being able to come to to the hospital, but have to call them and say, your loved one has passed away from COVID. They're the soldiers now who are in war with this disease. And we are the bystanders who are at home, who are understanding and seeing these empathetic messages that are coming through the mail, that are coming through the news reports, that are coming through our Twitter feed, that are hitting us on social media. And now we're all Rosie the Riveter. And we're all trying to do our part to help out the country by making masks, by being someone's cheerleader. By Zooming with everybody, by having a conversation, because we understand the bigger picture and we see it for what it is. Even though a lot of the stories and the reports may be convoluted and misrepresented the way they're being delivered, it doesn't diminish the fact that something real is happening and that we need to take responsibility. So for us to do a smaller part of the themes as a the mask is really a contribution to a bigger picture, which is saving people's lives. But she doesn't see it that way because it hasn't ultimately touched her. It's like, you know, seeing something on the news that you hear of and it sounds so far removed because you live in a small town and nothing has ever happened like that. And it always happens around you, but you feel safe because you haven't come outside of your comfort zone. But eventually, once she comes outside of her comfort zone or if it actually hits her or she becomes face to face with it, then that comment will change, that perception will change. Her reaction I, I, to it will change. I think,
2: I think the best way to explain it to wh- whomever says that to you, Marina. They, is they also we're are making
0: masks. masks. That's the thing that was crazy to me.
2: Oh, but for herself. That's the thing. I love that way Diva said we all became, they're, beca- they're being Rosie the Riveter right now. That's our contribution to the war. And the thing is, people also need to understand that the masks don't protect me from, you for me it's for me it's for me to put it's for me to keep you safe for me right so like it protects you for me so it's like i'm it's literally being my brother's keeper so i'm gonna wear this to Mm -hmm. not to make sure i'm not spreading my cooties so it's literally being your brother's keeper it's one of those things that i find it so hard to believe that the republican party doesn't you know the, the 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 family values party doesn't see it that way i am my brother's keeper and this has been the time that we've been able to prove that. I mean, just by what PJ's doing, she's paying it forward and she's being her brother's keeper.
0: Have you gotten some resistance at all, PJ? I mean, I've gotten resistance from people who think
1: like wearing a mask in general is just, oh, it's pointless, it's stupid. And I'm like, no, literally we are, like Jenny said, we are being our brother's keeper. We are protecting other people. And especially considering that we have an entire population of vulnerable people in this country. 60% of the people in this country have a chronic illness. So you're wearing it to make sure other people who are more vulnerable than you are, who may not have the immune system and the young, healthy body that you have, to make sure that they're safe and that they're not going to catch it. What are some things to remember like
0: safety-wise with the mask, like as far as washing your hands and before, like I always wash my hands before I take off the mask. I wash my hands, you know, if I'm in my house, I'm always washing my hands anyway. So when I put on the mask, I, you know, I still wash just in case, but I, I, I do a lot, but I'm always concerned about the touching of stuff around my face. That yeah. I'm
1: unfortunately, that's any- <laughs> just the, the whole hand washing. Um, The nurses explained to me that when you take the mask off, you should always take it off not from like the front of the mask, but actually take it off from whether it's um, yours has elastic, it has a strap, whatever it is, take it off from that and not take it off from the actual touching the front where any of the virus might be. And then just wash your hands. Like that's the biggest, I mean, everything I've read, all the doctors and nurses I've talked to, they're like, just wash your daggone hands and stop touching your face. The minute you put that mask on, I know which is the problem (laughs)
0: Yeah, I did find myself, you know, touching, you can't help just, it, d- especially with, yeah, the help it. Yeah, and, with the glasses issue. Yeah, with the
1: glasses. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I had that. I I didn't have it the week before with the mask on. It was just the way I. I think I had it on wrong. <laughs> that's what. That's. I was in a rush to get my produce. That's what happened. Oh, um, in my rush to the farmers market, but PJ, I just want to thank you so much. You know, you went to Washington D.C. as well, right? To talk about your is that? No, that is. Oh, here we go. <laughs> That's Diva. I was already on to Diva. See? You're so this is what happens when I don't drink my coffee. I didn't drink it. I haven't had coffee. I haven't had my celery juice cleansed. The
3: celery juice.
0: Mm. Yes. So Danielle Diva Williams. Now Diva was diagnosed with uh stage four lung cancer in Um, November. Let's see. Wait. Hold on. Twenty first, two thousand eighteen, and you were never a smoker. You were a non-smoker. Correct. Never smoked. And this is what is unbelievable to me. I just I've never heard this story before, and uh, you know, I mean, Christopher
2: Reeve's wife died of the same thing. Non-smoking, stage four. She has stage four.
0: What have the doctors explained? Have they figured out? as to why this has happened and how did this, how has this changed your life Diva? Cause I, I'm, when I met you in Arizona, you know, you're just, just so you, you both know, she is just like, and you can see it. She's look, she's just an amazing person. It's beautiful. She's she maintains her beauty throughout. She has a lot of energy. She's very kind. Like she was, you were so nice. I was, I was almost suspicious of it at first. <laughs> And then I was like, no, she's really this kind. And I had to call Godfrey because Godfrey told me, you, you know, he met you when he was out there. I said, Godfrey, she is the nicest person I have met, like, I think in the longest time. I don't know. It's just so when I heard this had happened to you, it was it really it saddened me. But then I saw how you just you're like a soldier. You just you know, you put it out that you put your story out there and you shared it with people. So tell me, like, take us back to that moment and, and how it's changed you and what you're doing. Um, well, it's been a lot. It's,
3: you know, because I went from being super healthy and worked out, you know, five, six days a week. I totally watched what I ate. And I, I was busy. My life was so busy. I was finishing school. I was working two jobs, doing stand-up, but it didn't seem like a lot because that's just who and how I was always living my life. Just go, 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 go. And then I just started feeling sore in my back. Couldn't figure out why. I was hiking a lot, running, going to the gym, and I kept saying, something is seriously wrong because then I started dropping weight. And
0: And you were already pretty thin. Yeah, I, was, I mean, like, in shape
3: healthy and healthy and then I just started dropping weight and I couldn't figure out why. And my back was killing me like crazy. So when I went to the doctor, you know, they were trying to figure out what was going on in my, I had had, you know, colonoscopy. I had the mammogram. I had a couple of other exams and they couldn't find anything, blood work done. And then my one doctor said, well, let's just do an MRI of your spine because you keep complaining that your back hurts. And that's where they saw all the lesions, because the cancer it went from my lungs to my lower spine, to my pelvis, to the top of my right shoulder. They told me there was something in my bones that it was producing. And at the time of my diagnosis, I was 94 pounds, which is insane, 94 How pounds. How tall are you? Five, five, seven? It's pretty tall, yeah. Wow. Five, seven, so 94 pounds and, um. I remember just sitting there in the doctor's office when he told me, he says, well, I have to tell you, I'm going to be straight with you. He goes, you have stage four lung cancer and it's in the bones of your spine, your pelvis, and it's all on the top of your right shoulders in the bones. And he goes, we're trying to figure out how this happened to you. He goes, because you're pretty healthy. He goes, your organs are very healthy. He goes, internally, you know, you're, you're doing pretty good. He goes, considering. And I was like, well, how could this be? this is unreal. I said, I've never smoked a day in my life. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink alcohol. I said, I'm like the healthiest person I know. <laughs> and my friend got really mad. She got really aggressive and mad because she was there with me and we were trying to figure it out. And my doctor just kept saying, you know, we're, we're looking at genetics. We're going to look at, you know, air quality. We're going to look at food. He says, it's an ongoing thing, but he told me, he says, we're finding more and more women who are healthy, never smoked, getting lung cancer. I said, this is insane, insane. But yeah, and I just, my life changed completely. I mean, in the sense that when, I, when you met me, I was working in television, hosting a television show and doing my stand up and finishing school. And so it just is a natural fit for me. Because I was working in media and everything I did was sort of just, you know, in the public eye. So people were seeing my body transformation and they thought I had an eating disorder.
2: Mm. So
3: I needed to tell them and clarify. So I made the announcement on the television show that I had the cancer, the stage four and people were just blown away. They couldn't believe it, but I've always been a very optimistic, positive person and a go-getter. And so I knew, and I told my doctor, I said, well... I said, first of all, I have no plans on going anywhere. I looked at him and I said, do you realize I ordered three wigs on Amazon? They'll be here like in a week and I got to wear my hair. Okay. I ain't going nowhere. I got plans. I got shows to do. I got things to do. He was Good. like, okay, okay. And so I told him, I said, well, you know, tell me what you want me to do because I'll be in for the fight of my life. This will be the hardest thing I've ever gone through physically because I went from being extremely healthy and barely going to the doctor except for once a year for my physical To be inundated with radiation, chemo, which I still get every three weeks. I had surgery on my spine. I had several biopsies done on my lung. I got the port put in, you know, so I can receive my chemo. It was just Mm -hmm. crazy. It was a lot. But I told him, I said, you know, I live my life like I don't have it. And I said, because everything is mental for me, I said, it starts in my brain. So I would tell myself, You're going to overcome this. It's going to be okay. And I would visualize everything that I wanted to do. And I told myself, I'm going to get back to hiking Camelback Mountain. I'm going to get back to just, you know, having some sense of normalcy and doing things, but it'll be with alteration. So I just started sharing that on social media. I'm sharing my doctor visits, my appointments,
2: just so people can see a different side of cancer. I had known people who had cancer, but I
3: didn't know the extent of what it was like with the things that they were going through. I just knew they had it. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole ordeal, from financial to mental and emotional to just the physical wear and tear on your body from the nasty toxic medicine. So I would do Facebook lives and I would do these video updates and let people see my doctors and my nurses. and all through it, I was using humor by telling jokes and making light of it. And then it just started opening up a door of conversation, and people were like, "You know, we just love the way you're handling it." Um, and it just started helping people. So news outlets started picking up the story. The Mayo Clinic wanted to do a story on me. Then I had that national show right this minute and their health segment did a story on me. And it was just opening the door of conversation because people now hit me up on social media because other people are saying you need to follow Danielle for the way she's handling her cancer. Cause I told my doctor, I said, I may be sick, but I'm not sick and sad. And I said, when I go into the chemo room, these people look sad. So I'm not gonna look sad. I'm gonna look and feel like myself. So I would put effort in. I would do my hair, my makeup. I'd put my heels on, paint my toes. And every time I walk in, people would never think I'm there to get chemo. And I said, well, because I don't wanna look like I'm sick. I wanna okay. feel good. I'm here to get this nasty medicine and it's sickening, but I don't wanna look that way. I wanna feel and look like myself. I said, I take pride in that. And that's the one thing that I enjoy. So I would do that and I would document my pictures and people just started loving it. So I have a couple of people that I've met who have just reached out to me who have never known me and I've never known them through social media, just from them hearing my story. And they've shared their cancer stories with me. I've had two mothers reach out to me because their daughters were diagnosed and they're like, my daughter is shrinking up. She doesn't want to face it. She can't handle it but I want her to talk to you and if you can help her. So it's become this platform of, you know, good and positivity. And I just let people know that you can do this. You don't have Mm -hmm. to shrink back and let the cancer get the best of you. Because I went from being healthy and never smoking to having stage four lung cancer. My doctor looks at me now and he says, you're the healthiest person I know. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, put my life out there and help other people because Mm -hmm. we need to change this perception of this cancer because too many people are non-smoking that are getting it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Cause lung cancer, you said in one of, and she, you have a YouTube video channel that they can follow. And as you talk about lung cancer mm-hmm. um, and we'll say that at the end, but one of the things I didn't know was it's the least funded mm-hmm. of the can of cancer. Like Jeannie and I both have, you know, had breast cancer mm-hmm. and then, so yours is the, lung cancer i I, you know it's it's interesting it's like the further you think about what doesn't affect you i just Mm -hmm. i i I, you know breast cancer has so much funding yeah yeah so So, much information you hear uh so much about breast cancer you hear so little about lung cancer in this story
3: yeah and it's um once i started um networking with the american lung association and i was invited to be their guest speaker. And then I joined their board. I started learning a lot, and the number one thing that it, I learned was lung cancer is the number one killer of all cancers. It surpasses the deaths of breast cancer. It's the least funded out of all the cancers. And I thought to myself, and I said, "Well, it's because of the perception. A lot of people acquainted with smoking, and so they figure, you know, oh, well, you deserve it. You, you smoked. Yeah. That's why I was saying that I was on this mission of trying to dispel that, so people could start knowing." that we need to change the perception. I said, the landscape for breast cancer is easy to package. I said, you can show a woman who's lost her hair. You can show a woman who's had her breasts removed and you can put a story behind it. What can you show with lung cancer? Not too much. And everybody still has that perception that it revolves around smoking. I said, we need a whole new landscape of campaigns, dialogue, pamphlets, information, to let people know that this is the number one killer of all cancers. If you have lungs, you can get lung cancer. If you've never smoked, you can get lung cancer. Happens to me and so many other people. So we need to have a new, we need to have new commercials. We need to have new information in doctor's offices. So that's why I started my PSA um, video series. And I just took it upon myself to go out and I created these series. I shot the videos, I edited them, and I just started sharing them on my YouTube and on my social media with the tag that if you want more information, get to know the American Lung Association. And I would point people back to their website because there's all the information about lung cancer, lung disease, air quality. They do a whole different reports on all different things and they keep in touch with the different doctors and they have annual reports. They have reports that come out, you know, so many times a year, I wanna say twice a year. And there's just a value of information that people don't know and I didn't know until i was diagnosed but then once mm-hmm. i became diagnosed i figured this is a new platform for me to use my media but also gain traction to help make change so people will know that you know this is for real and it's not yeah. just happening I, to people who smoke yeah
0: i want to ask you how like with treatment you know because i i have you know i was sharing with you i have stage one breast cancer so i had to go back and forth with trying to figure out whether or not I was going to do chemo or not, or mm-hmm. you know, and how the, the it all changes. You right. know, the, you know, like every year, what you need to do changes. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, because they have the unca type test, I was able to find out my score and then find out I did not have to do chemo, um, but I did do radiation. But I also t- seek out altern- alternate alternate medic. Medicine Mm -hmm. and treatment. Do you seek out alternate medication or treatment, or have you changed like the way you eat? Like I was talking about celery juice early. (laughs) I knew you would go, I know about celery juice. Yeah. I did. You know, I did. I had a lot of questions in the very beginning.
3: And then it was um, so overwhelming that I just went with, you know, what my oncologist was saying based off of the research that he did because he was working with individuals who never smoked. That were mm-hmm. getting this and trying to figure out why this was happening, because he had a number of patients that it was happening to. So I did the radiation in the beginning. Um, and because I was so small and thin in the beginning when I got diagnosed, mm-hmm. they wanted me to eat everything and anything that I could to put meat on my bones so I could receive the medication because it was so toxic and it's so harsh. And you need to have some kind of, you know, muscle fat and regular fat in order mm-hmm. for it to respond well so you can get better. So the good thing is that I have my mom here. So she was cooking pork chops and gravy, potatoes, you know, like (laughs) cornbread and collard greens. So I was eating really good, healthy, full meals, eating them in smaller portions because I had went from eating salads and high protein, a lot of fish. Every morning I would put tons of vegetables in a Nutribullet and drink it. And that was my life. And that's how I ate. So I had to take in kind of switch it up again and just start going back to, you know, like good fats and all the extra stuff. So I was eating breads and butter and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that sort of changed. And then once I started doing more of the chemo and as my body started gaining weight, you have these different side effects. And the one thing is that my body started craving like more sugar and different things like that, which was horrible because I had went for so long without eating it. It just you know, eating really lean and healthy and girl, I was like into
0: donuts and all kinds of stuff that, seen, that I was, you know, that I had never really eaten before and licorice, like black licorice became this huge thing. And I was just eating a ton of black licorice and it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. That's and, so and, oh, interesting. Cause yeah, like, I, like thing, I've right? done a complete, <laughs> I, I'm like a vegan now. Cause I'm just oh. so, well, I just, you know, I, I haven't read a lot of research. <laughs> I just see like I'm a headline girl. I I'm, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> I am. I'm part of the problem. But I do see like some things that say, you know, like this coronavirus has shined a light on a lot of things that I think we're going to start looking at, which is the American diet, right? <laughs> and food in America and you know, it's, it's just interesting. Now the meat plants are closing down. I don't want to be on the big, you know, vegan shaming party right now, but I will say that I have noticed now since I've had changed my diet, a lot has changed for me as far as like sleeping better, you know, um, And plus, you know, for me, the medication, the tamoxifen that they want to put me on that Kalinsky, as you know, Jenny, wants to put me on. He knows I I don't want to take that thing. See, I'm a little different. I'm like, I was like, I, I went after speaking to a woman who was stage one, same as me and finding out that she did chemo when she could have just done radiation because they changed the guidelines. For oh. the, they didn't have the oncotype test. I was just like, let's just, let me just hold up on the tamoxifen thing. Let me just wait until. But
2: the oncotype test doesn't work for everyone. Like I can't take an oncotype test because right. I don't have an, I don't have an estrogen positive cancer. So, um, so it just, it still varies. And,
0: yeah, it yeah. varies. Like I was saying, that's why I'm listening to Diva's story, and I'm like, oh, it really does.
2: Especially with like vary. With, with Diva's situation, Diva, how often do you get infused?
3: Every three weeks, and they did do. a ton of different biopsies on my lung, but because I had no mutations, I couldn't do alternative medications and different, you know, trial run type medications and different things. I had to get strict chemo. And I went from having five different bags of solution and now I'm down to, I want to say two bags of solution. Yeah. But it's still like, you know, it's so nasty.
0: You see, it's like everyone has their differences in the struggle of, and like to be immune compromised during this time. It's like, it just takes a little second to listen to what someone else is going through. And it's like you said, before you got lung cancer, you didn't know. Uh Uh-uh. So it's it's. I always said. I, I mean, I'm. I say my BCFs, my breast cancer friends. But I always felt like people who've gone through cancer are probably going to go through this pandemic a little bit better because we've been dealt the blow, the shock of you could die if you don't take care of yourself and the things around you. Whereas, like my friend calling me with that craziness, talking about I don't understand. What's it's like? Cause it's never affected your life. Right. Yeah,
2: and I think we're, we're, yeah, we're more likely to, to comply. Um,
0: yeah.
2: because I got into an argument with somebody and I, I gave them this example about, cause like, why is everybody doing that? I said, look on nine 11, I live on 43rd. Street. I live in times square. I used to work when I was corporate, I used to work on 57th street. So I used to walk from times Square to 57th street every day. When the, when the attacks happened, the mayor said, everybody go North which means I was already North of my apartment. I could have easily come, try to come back to my apartment, but I'm like, I'm not doing that. I don't know if they're going to drop a plane in Times Square, uh-huh. you know? so I went North Did I know where I was going now. I just went North because that's what I was told to be safe. And that, that, I, I don't understand why people are making it seem like the government is, is hog tying you into doing stuff. We're just trying to look out for you, but if you want to die, go ahead and die. Like I don't. Well, we do.
0: <laughs> it's it is strange <laughs> now. I mean, my, I've,
2: I've I know I said my Spanish accent. Go ahead, go ahead, just just
0: die. Oh, <laughs> I've crazy. gotten into arguments with people who aren't talking to me. Like I have, I've had cancer. I'm like I, they'll they'll talk about it, and then and like I have to remind them. Well, I am one of those people uh-huh. who's immune compromised, so I don't have the luxury to talk about, um, how this is a hoax or, yeah. um, this really isn't affecting as many people. I mean, I, I can't tell you the conversation I had with someone who said they didn't believe in the numbers of people dying. And it, that sent me two days on a spiral of anger. I mean, cause I was just like, what do you, so first of all, I don't need to hear Two, i all I need to hear is two hundred people died, and I care That's it. Uh-huh. yeah, I just lost a friend on Thursday. Uh,
2: granted he was an older he was older, but yeah, still, tell them about about Jimmy Glenn so <laughs> uh Jimmy Glenn it was a boxing legend. Uh he's in the boxing hall, home of fame, hall of fame as a corner man and a cut man. He has a little neighborhood bar here in Times Square called Jimmy's Corner. That's the only mom and pop left in Times Square, and it's the only black mom and pop left in Times Square. Drinks of $4, and and everybody knew her. Like he knew Sinatra. I mean, Amy Schumer used to go in there all the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I went there
0: with her. Oh, you he
2: went with Amy. Yeah, Amy goes there all the time. I used to take um Keith used to make me take Wanda there all the time too. And um and it's just a neighborhood bar. It's my Cheers, like my pictures on the wall. It's it's when I was in the hospital with my cancer, they all came and and he just came to to COVID. And it's been all like it's been on CNN, it's been on NPR, it's been in the New York Times, it's been in the Wall Street Journal because this bar is fifty years old, and is the best bar, boxing bar. And if you saw Raging Bull, the last bar that he owned in Raging Bull, that's Jimmy's Corner, and that's my Cheers. And I, I'm I'm heartbroken and. And to think that, that, and and the worst part about it is that we would go, if any, whenever anything bad happened, we would go to the bar. You know, I went there after, after the, after the smoke cleared, I went there after nine I've been there for all the blackouts and now Jimmy's gone and we can't even go to the bar and be, you know, and mourn him properly. And, um, I mean, I was at a party one year, he, he Mike Tyson showed up to the party and was so happy to see jimmy it it was he's just a legend and and the fact that i could call him my friend i'm just very proud and and the fact that he died to this that he said came to this after a man who's lived through everything literally um and uh to, to go through this. And, and I get the argument that people have is like, Oh, if you separate the Northeast, it's very few cases in the rest of the world in the rest of the country. And somebody else gave me an argument like, Oh, would, would New York shut down if it happened in Kansas? I was like, let me explain this to you. And I'm going to sound like an asshole New Yorker to you, but hell no, New York wouldn't close if, if, if it happened in Kansas, because Kansas doesn't affect as many people as New York city. Like uh, affecting like I was explaining this to somebody in Florida said, just if you close down New York, you automatically have to close Connecticut, New Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. Why? Because they're all there's a tri-state area for New York and a tri-state area for Chicago, so they're all connected. There are people who live in Pennsylvania who drive to New York to work. You know, I was like, you don't you don't understand that that this is it's not about us being arrogant New Yorkers. I mean, we are, but this is about we affect a larger part of the society than Kansas. You can
0: lock down Kansas. It's a landlocked state. You can literally just shut it down. It's boggling me how people don't grasp the concept of what you do affects others. This is that moment of Zen. (laughs) It should be for everyone, right? Where we go, oh, because, and and you know what, to be honest, even I'm, as much as I'm aware, I find myself constantly going, oh yeah, that's right. This is really about the, if I go out into the hallway, my neighbor's 74. So I have yeah. to wear a mask if I go yeah. into my hallway. And and I have to watch him because he has guests. Gene has guests. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, he has lady friends come over? He has guys come, he has oh. housing aides come in and they don't wear masks. Oh, hell And no. I'm like, so I had to, that's why I had to hand him a mask and I and I know he can't stand me cause I'm always yelling at him when the door opens, I can hear him. He's right there. <laughs> it's very, you know, it's a dense population. That's the thing about New York. Like you were saying, it's like in the buildings, everything you do is affecting other people. Yeah. There's it's 650 units
2: in my, in my building, 650 wow. units in my oh building. My gosh, yeah, I live in a, yeah, So, um, You know what I? But I've been I've been coming I've been coming uh, uh, a Karen because I've been calling people out every time I see people with the with the mask under their chin I go honey it doesn't work under your chin like I'll call people out (laughs) I'm surprised no one's punched me in the face so like it doesn't
0: work like that they are you know that leads us to one of us one one of our I'm sorry I did so much marijuana yesterday that's really what this is I'm gonna. It's just like, woo! (laughs) social distancing arrests target people of color. Thank you, Jenny. So, Jenny, you're not targeting people of color because you are a person of color. But since the shelter in place orders were implemented through the U.S., there has been a growing number of videos showing police using excessive violence when arresting people of color for uh, social distancing violations. Data released late Thursday by Brooklyn District Attorney's office showed that between March 17th and May 4th, 40 people were arrested for violating this order. And of those 40 arrested, 35 were Black, four were Lat- Latinx. I'm saying Latinx, Jenny, instead of Latino. And one was white. And, and one was white. One, just one, was white. Now, what do you guys think? Do you think that because there's a part of me that goes, "Oh, this is a little different because it's a pandemic, and I have been seeing like on a cultural level with our people that's the thing our people are constantly congregating on corners, so I don't want to say that this is just one thing here. I mean, what do you think i mean i I feel like when I'm out with a mask and a hood, yes, I'm nervous that the cops i mean, they rolled by me yesterday when I went out just for a second, and they blasted the whole speech about social distancing and I was by myself and the cops turned it on and I'm like I'm the only motherfucker standing here. <laughs> so that's when I knew I said okay yes there is still cultural but bi- it's going on. But what have you guys seen? I went <laughs> to Central Park and everybody people
2: it was a regular day at Central Park. People were laying out on the lawn and that there were no, there were people walking around without, without masks. There were people just, you know, and then what they were doing is just, there were being little clusters. So I guess if the four of us were together, they were fine. But they didn't practice little social distancing within their cluster. They just social distance themselves from the other cluster, you know, and it was just people everywhere. And that's when I yelled at everybody. I was like, it doesn't work under your chin and started yelling people. But I, I everybody that I did see out at Central Park was white. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't my people. It wasn't, it wasn't the black and brown. My Latinos, I have to go. But if I go to Washington Heights... Well, that's the thing about ahead. that
0: woman becoming a story. She's white. It's like, oh, my God. They were so sad that she was arrested. It's like, I'm sorry. We get dragged. We get dragged. We get hunted. Yeah. And she, she wanted to open up her business because she couldn't think of another, another way out. For her business and that's a tragedy anyway i don't know what about you in chicago pj what are you seeing in chicago so,
1: oh you're oh amazing <laughs> we love her mayor like mayor Lightfoot not for, she's mm-hmm. not playing around with us um the neighborhood that i live in people are not really out like you see people out and they're walking their dogs 85 percent of the people i see have masks on um, I'm in a high-rise building, so we can't have any contractors coming in. There's no, like, grocery deliveries. You got to go downstairs to the lobby and pick it up. So Chicago has not been. Now there are pockets of Chicago culturally where people have had house parties and some other things, uh, but for the most part, where I am, people are at home. Grocery stores like they've literally like I, marked the six feet, only certain number of people out in the grocery store at a time. So I haven't seen too much. Uh, ignorance yet
0: and then you know what's funny is i i guess i said culturally but then white people do it too white people be gathering they'd be finding ways to yeah you know, they don't do it
2: i i yeah i'm not gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna own it for my latinos because <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not gonna be like they do it too because the latinos be out there and they do not care they're just out there playing their dominoes <laughs>
0: are and, you seeing them out there not if I go uptown, not here in my neighborhood, my neighborhood is just the crackheads. But there is a, there is a, I guess, a cultural misunderstanding of what is going on. Like my neighbor is Haitian, Jean, and I did, and he's older. So I did find that he, I don't think he understood that this was serious. And I was like, I had to tell him, I said, those p- nursing aides coming, or the aides that are coming in your house, I don't see gloves on their hands. And I had, you know, I had to call his daughter. I know Kiki's number. So I called Kiki up. I said, Kiki, <laughs> it was so funny. Cause the other day I yelled at him and uh, I was on the phone with Yamanika and Yamanika was like, that man sounds like he's tired of you. I can hear it through your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know but I think there's a little bit of a job we have to do in our own community with educating about what this yeah. is.
3: It's kind of different here in Arizona. It's a little
0: bit more Yeah, loud. tell me. But you're also
2: spaced out, you have more space.
3: Arizona is very wide and flat, and we don't have a lot of tall buildings, so we're not very compact. So you can still hike here. People get up in the morning, they're walking their dogs, they're riding their bikes. The grocery stores are pretty busy. What city are you in? What city are you in? Oh, you're in Phoenix. Phoenix, and um, the people go to the car wash and wash their cars. It's very active here. I mean, uh, <laughs> peak uh, the, donut, the donut shops are open. I mean, they like, you just go through the drive through window, but there'll be lines. All the fast food places, drive through windows. Um, a lot of the restaurants are still open, but you just either call, and pick up it them. up. Um, you can still go into Chipotle and walk to the counter and order your food. But they only let like a like, you know, a few people in at a time. But you just go to the counter, you order your food, or people do the Postmates and all that. So it's it's a very different atmosphere here in Phoenix. Are they wearing masks
0: when they go into? Yeah, Nikola? people are wearing
3: masks. Okay. You see the people wearing masks, like when you're hiking, you'll see it sometimes, and a lot of times you won't. And but they've made some alterations, like the parking. They have cut off half of the parking, so they only allow half the amount of people to hike. So what is
2: that? Mm. Certain amounts, there's like twenty
3: something spaces are taken up they put a barrier up and they keep it closed until those people start dwindling out and then they'll open it up. More spaces are open, let a few cars in. So they've done stuff like that. Trader Joe's is the same. They only let a few people in at a time and they have you line up and they have the covering. So you're in the shade because it's so hot here. But yeah, and then they have this hand sanitizer out front and they let you like, you know, squirt your hands and all that. But for the most part, there's a lot more activity. Like people ride their bikes on the canals and y'all walking at night there's a lot of walking because it's so hot here so when the sun goes down a lot of people out with their dogs a lot of people out pushing the strollers with their babies you see sometimes neighbors out on the front of their houses talking with their neighbor across the street but they're just sitting in their their front of their the driveway of where the garages are They'll put chairs out there and they'll sit and then they'll talk in their neighbor across the street will have the chairs out in front and they're they're socializing but they're just apart. The street has spaced them apart,
0: but they just sit out and they'll chit-chat and, yeah. It's just so interesting because there's so much misinformation, I think, which is part of the problem, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, because I, I, you know, Chicago, I mean, New York is dense. Chicago is in areas dense. My sister lives out in the suburbs. My other sister, Ashley, Leah, my sister that knows you, PJ is in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. but it's just different in different areas. But I still think that it's like living in New York and trying to decide to go for a run. At first, I was just like blaming everyone. But then I realized, oh, maybe they also want to (laughs) get out (laughs) like I do. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. This isn't just about me. Everyone else wants to also have a piece of the air outside. And that is the lack of communication I'm not getting from this government is when we go outside, what's going on out there? Like, because they say they want us to wear our our masks outside, even when we're exercising to a certain degree. So I just feel like not everyone really gets it because they're like, well, we're outside. The air is, right? But that's what people do. They go, ain't the air blowing?
1: But the, yeah, is, the virus, <laughs> like, Which is why you need a mask outside. But
0: they just need to be more specific about that, about what is in the air on the outside. And you would see, let me tell you, a change in the way people are acting on the outside. You know, because like people are like, Well, I can go outside, right? Yeah. And that's still a question. Like they, they're still saying it like that. And it's like, anyway. That's why the White House is infected right now. So reopening and when are they reopening in New York is going to
2: reopen. They already, they, they talked about it today. They're doing phase one this week in New York upstate, like phase uh, phase one is upstate, like the finger lakes and stuff like that. They've already, they've already complied with, with the guidelines that the state has set. So if you meet with those guidelines, they're going to, they're doing it slowly. So we should be, New York is staying shut down till June one, though.
0: Yeah, and, Man, and I mean New York City. And Diva, when are they? Are have they reopened? Have they ever closed in Arizona? <laughs> Had a lot of lacks
2: in the very beginning, and it was yeah. But you can't go to the you can't go to like the Gap.
3: No, the, like the department stores, the malls, and all that are closed. But gas stations all remained open. Food places, grocery stores, and things like that parks like we can we can always go to our parks and different things we didn't have any shutdown we just had they just want you to be responsible and social distance yourself but we never had like police officers rolling up on you if you're out for a jog in the morning or riding your bike at night it's people just out it's just weird and um but yeah they're going to be opening up i think what are the numbers in
0: arizona let me ask are the numbers not as high, I know they're nowhere near New York, but
3: no, they're not. I think the the deaths we had here in Arizona so far were just about a little over 400. But they still say that that's certain. Like there's Maricopa County, mm-hmm. then there's Pima County, so it just depends on the county. And they haven't been able to do a lot of testing here because they don't have kids So there's a lot of people that haven't even been tested. But the, Number one concern here, because we have a lot of Indian reservations, those are the people that were primarily high risk, they were saying, because of one, the lifestyle that they lead and two, because there's sort of a disconnect with a lot of different things that our government has to offer. So just the communication and testing them and kind of keeping them in the loop. So there's been a a little rise in the population, I would say, or concern. Of the Native Americans, so they're trying to work on that aspect as well. But yeah, it hasn't been as intense, I would say, in Arizona as as it has been in other places. And just to give you, because we're all you know com- comedians here, um, I believe.
0: House well, PJ is not a comedian, but she's. I she think, I'm funny, I think I'm funny though. I think I'm funny sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I think she has jokes. <laughs>
3: but I just saw on social media that house of comedy here is going to do a show on thursday the 14th which is supposed to be some sort of drive-in comedy show so i don't know if they're going to have wow and people can stay in their cars and they're going to set up some kind of perimeter outdoor stage and the comedian's going to perform while people are in their cars on the streets because as far as i know you can't go into the comedy club and if you do it's only up to 50 people and that's not a big enough audience for that room. So I don't know, but people are so eager. They're trying to find creative ways to
0: bring it back. Well, at least they're trying to figure it out. I mean, cause for me, 50 people is too much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, when they say 50 people, I'm like, how, it just yeah. takes one person. I don't know. Haven't you been paying attention to the news? It so takes one person to just to do- laugh. That's it. Yeah. So I, it, it's, I don't understand where people are not understanding this. It just takes
1: one. And pressure. one asymptomatic <laughs> person who's not even coughing.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, and if you it. don't have
0: the tests, see, New York, you could at least go. We are very aggressive about testing right now and tracking and tracing. You can at least say this is the this is where the data and the facts come in is that if you do the tr- tracing, and you do the testing. You can at least start to open some things up because you know this area has been tested. That seems that that's it.
2: There's no only- not, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I don't see the tests anywhere. I there's a there's an antibody test you at the end. No, where where can Jenny, I you, you can, can you it? just
0: talk to you just go to you work at the hospital Jenny Yeah but I'm not going in there I'm not going <laughs> But there. If, if that's the problem you don't want to go in but you can get a test trust me you will find Bro, out I, went in, the, I went in there and I was coughing on purpose and I was like
2: <laughs> And they're like you don't have any symptoms go home I was like you don't want to test me they're like no just go home I'm like Ugh. I mean
0: there are problems with that obviously cuz it's not getting out to everybody who needs a test but
2: No they're all being spent at the White House cuz all those motherfuckers again.
0: <laughs> I do want to ask you guys about uh let me they, okay my my intern, my one young intern put this in, which is interesting. By the way, happy Mother's Day. I didn't say that at the top, but none of us are mothers. Diva, you're not a
1: mother. But TJ, no, are but you a I'm mother? the best auntie on earth. That's my only job.
0: Amen,
2: sister. Me They're too. She's condemning back here, my
1: babies. But yeah, I love being an auntie. It's the best thing I've ever yeah, done in my life. So but I hope you guys
0: celebrating Mother's Day this year must have been strange for everyone, right? You had to call in and you can't visit. Well, my mother's in Florida. I never
2: visited her for about, it's not that big a deal. I just call her, tell her I love her. And I don't send my mother anything for Mother's Day, anything ever. But now my parents and I do this well, thing. Well, you do we a lot
0: with your mom, yeah,
2: though. Yeah, I do a lot. Yeah, we do this. My parents and I do this thing where we don't give each other mm. presents for anything. But once a year, we get together and go Ooh. somewhere fabulous. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So we were supposed to go to we were supposed to go to Germany this year, but then this happened, and it's their 50th anniversary, and now we can't oh, even do anything. That's good. Well, this
0: one article was interesting to me because it sounds like she's young; she's still living in her home with her parents. But unsurprised to report that women are doing way more home labor than men oh, yeah. right now. Ear- Earlier, yeah, like that's not surprising. But I will I say, know. what would have been a better article is how. Countries with women in charge are doing better with the pandemic. Oh yes, New Zealand, but they're smaller. It's just such a great. It's like if we have a woman president, we would have been doing so much better right now. I'm just hoping. I'm hoping Biden picks
2: Abrams. (laughs) That's my dream. (laughs) That's the only thing that will make me happy is if Biden picks Abrams. They're 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 saying Kamala, but I want Abrams.
0: But why do you think that women in certain countries or m- women m- women that are mayors are doing better than other places? What are the because other reasons? Because women are
2: better at planning. Women aren't hot They're not going to jump off the. They're not going to. Well, women can be hot headed, but they're not going to just react because whatever. They 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 know that they have people that that are they're that they're responsible for.
0: It was just a few months ago. when things were looking up for Latinos. Look at that. It was looking up for you people. Oh, yeah. Wages were rising and unemployment had hit a record low. As the U.S. economy marked its longest expansion on record, Latino families marked better times with milestone purchases. They bought more homes than any ethnic group, including whites. Another positive, a record number of Hispanics started attending college With enrollment nearly tripling in the last two decades, now that historic wave of Latino prosperity appears to be at risk from the coronavirus pandemic. The devastation in job losses is widespread in America as the unemployment rate has climbed to 14.7, the highest level since the Great Depression. But the latest U.S. job report shows that Latinos are worst hit, with a record jobless rate of 18.9% higher than any other ethnic group. So... Mm, that's just sad. It's all sad news.
2: It's sad, but a lot of Latino, I mean, uh, when when they say that the job force is better is because a lot of people have a bunch of part-time jobs. Like, I don't like that people think that the economy, like this guy wants to take credit for the economy and say so like, oh, more Latinos and more blacks have jobs. How about more, more of us have multiple jobs? That's what it is, you know? People have two and three part-time jobs. So yeah, I'm employed, but do I really have the time? I'm still not making ends meet. So I think in, in the Latin community, I, I'm, I'm surprised at those numbers because that means those look that's considering that's counting documented Latinos and not counting all the undocumented people who are still out there working in the bodegas and working in the fields. And so it's not counting all that until we can, you know, provide some equality for the people who, for the undocumented. And that not mean, you know, I'm not saying give them an instant, um, uh, immunity uh but they should have asylum that's what they came here for uh i went on a tangent there but
0: <laughs> no it was a good one because it's true it's like what quality jobs did they have i mean now that the pandemic is happening we're realizing some of the jobs we had weren't really reliable
2: right and now we're trying to see, and now we actually see who the essential workers are right because uh, we you still have a farmers market? So that means there still has to be people out there on the farm and totally And what I'm I'm very confused about how these farmers are throwing away throwing away stuff like
0: they're throwing away all these. But why why can't they just sell them to everybody else? Like that's that, it's not it's because they're sick. Those oh you mean that? Well, there's two different stories. The plants are closing because the people are sick, but the throwing
2: away of food. Yeah, I meant like farmers, people who are growing crops and not throwing them away. I don't I'm think anyone tent.
0: was getting it. I don't know.
2: I think right? yeah. I think that's what it is. I think it's because of the, the the trucks, but they've been selling directly to consumers and cutting the middleman. Like I just learned to not use Seamless or, or Grubhub and call the restaurant directly so they can make more money.
0: Oh really? Yeah. yeah.
3: That's what we do. We'll call and then we'll just go pick it up, or you know, then it
0: saves. You. There's no middleman.
1: It's just you. It yeah. Up, order the food. Come pick it up, mm-hmm. or they can deliver it.
0: PJ, are you are you deliver, having food delivered? hmm
1: Yeah. Yeah, I read yeah. the same thing that Ginny was saying. I read a story where the fees that restaurants have to pay to be a part of DoorDash or Seamless or Grubhub, the fees are really high. So now I just call the restaurant. After I learned that. Before that, I just used whichever delivery. Yeah, I didn't know that but either, but now I'm just going do yeah, yeah,
2: to cut the middle, man. That's yep. it.
0: But then what about those people who are working through Seamless?
2: They're never going to not be out of work. Yeah.
0: The dri- drivers, I mean,
2: yeah, they're not. Not everybody's going to be woke like us. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs>
0: I know some comics who have started picking it up as a job. Yeah, exactly. I know. Time. Yeah,
2: I know a few comics who are like delivering Doordash or delivering groceries.
0: Yeah, I, I personally, I'm afraid to order food. I'm cooking everything, and I'm exhausted. I'm tired of. I may lose weight just because I don't wanna cook anymore. I have to say for Mother's Day, I don't know how my mom did what she did because I can't cook for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I ain't doing nothing. Doing, I mean, I'm doing the podcast, but I'm not, I'm not that busy. I ain't got four kids running or three kids running around. I gave my mom an extra child, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm, I'm like, Oh God, I, how many times am I going to wash these dishes? I'm oh tired God, you know of
1: cleaning my kitchen. I'm so tired of cleaning my kitchen. I'm doing dishes, and I and I re- I realized, like, how am I generating so much garbage? It's
2: because I don't leave the house. So, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm taking out the garbage every time. So, there's a stack of dishes right there. They're going to stay there until I have to cook something else.
0: But <laughs> I have, personally, I'm so nervous. I'm afraid of the styrofoam and things that come with the people who are cooking it. But, uh, you know, I understand if you guys are getting delivery. Oh, mm-hmm. I've got stuff
1: delivered. <laughs>
2: I've gotten f- food delivered. Um, I'm fine with it. Like I don't, I, I may don't... break
0: down cause I'm missing some, I'm, I'm getting tired of my own cooking.
2: And that's the thing. You get tired of your own cooking and like, I just really crave a, I don't know, a Philly cheesesteak.
0: And to get that. <laughs> Bye, PJ. PJ.
1: PJ. was like, "Okay." Yeah. I might well, be ordering that for dinner tonight.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, PJ's got like a Chicago style. We have our own style of stay- of a Philly cheesesteak that they would not approve of, but still, we we do it. I know you don't know this, but yes, the one we used to get from. Um, do you get from? Well, they used to call it. Jewtown, and they're not supposed to call it Jewtown.
1: What do they call it now? What neighborhood. I mean, it's just it like that little road belt. Yeah, I don't even know what we call it. I don't know why they would call it that. Was and it as a kid, that? I used it to say neighborhood. it. What's wrong with that? It's
2: better than calling it Town.
0: Oh, well, you know what it is? It's just, it just and that sounds was like...
2: that was a uh, Jesse Jackson quote. Nobody think I'm calling anybody that.
0: Yeah, but I know it's just like, you can't say Jewtown. It's just like it's like, hey, you got your Jew shoes? No, no, that's horrible. But when but I was that, in
2: Vienna, there was a name. It was called. This is the Jewish, the Jewish section. This called the Jewish. Well, the
0: Jewish section is
2: yeah, the Jewish quarter. They called it the Jewish quarter. But Jewtown is horribly <laughs> offensive,
0: you know. But we would get our steaks from there and hot dogs, Chicago hot dogs. Too much, t- too much alone time. Tips to connect and find joy. Well, we're doing it right now. We're connecting with each each other. I'm doing a baby shower tomorrow uh, for my friend, Rachel Feinstein. I'm hosting it. (gasps) Rachel's pregnant? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And she's due like soon, like May 20th. Oh, wow. Give her a big kiss for me. I will. A kiss. But I, you know, I find these things to be very helpful. What are you, you, what are you doing in this time? We've kind of talked about some of it. You have a cyber boyfriend.
1: Where did you find one of those? I need one.
0: (laughs) I need one of those. Are we all single? All of us? I'm
1: not doing my cyber boyfriend cyber
2: pregnant. This is another
0: thing the pandemic (laughs) has shined a light on, by the way, not just essential workers, but the fact that there are so many amazing women who are single. single. Yeah. Doing this alone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: too much alone. And my birthday
2: is on Friday. And I kept telling oh, myself, "This is crazy." Where are he at? Oh, I had a I had a pandemic where birthday. Where
1: is he at? I don't know. I had
2: a pandemic birthday. My birthday was March thirty first. I had a Zoom party. Marina was there. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I changed outfits three times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she did. She has a yeah. whole show. It was a lot of fun. Whole,
2: it was a whole show. But yeah, yeah. I have a cyber boyfriend. And I will say this about the pandemic and about being put away because I I met him. We connected on on um, on one of the dating apps, and uh, I said, "Oh, we can FaceTime or whatever." And he says, "Yeah, okay." So we started FaceTiming, and then now we FaceTime almost every day.
0: And oh, oh no, it. we totally like each other. We had
2: phone sex.
0: You didn't <laughs> tell me about this, Jenny. Oh my God, this is great. I uh, know because I was. I and I, it was amazing.
2: And he's awesome. I want to show his picture. <laughs> he's yeah. super What cute. about you,
0: Diva? Because I, I see you talking about you need to find someone. What are you doing? He's super cute. During this pandemic, are you like putting it out there still? You well, talking you know, to anybody? I shoot,
3: I shoot my little
0: videos and I'll dress it in my videos and i make fun of it and talk about it and
3: then I'll have like a little serious side. Uh, yeah, it's. Oh, he's cute. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, he's looking up, but he's, he's cute. not going to
2: get a picture, but he's looking like himself. Okay, look, here he is. Yeah, oh,
0: okay. Okay. Yeah. nice. Well, is he Latino? What is Yeah, he? he's Dominican.
2: Okay. So he's, giving me, he's giving me shit about me not dating Latin men. So he's like, you know, he's like, you gonna learn. <laughs> that's what he said to me. You gonna learn, girl. I was like, okay. But I'm having, that's that's the one thing I was going to say about the the, if you connect with someone on you know on on one of these apps, if they're willing to talk to you over the uh, on on FaceTime, like he and I, I think that by the time he and I meet, like we've already advanced so much in our relationship because we've been able to like just literally just talk and ask each other questions. Like I use this book, just you gotta get this book, the lo- the book of questions, love and sex, and you just pick numbers and ask each other these crazy questions. Excuse me. So, but it's stuff that you get to know, get to know each other. So I've been doing stuff like that and. I really can't wait to meet him. <laughs> really, yeah, I'm really I'm really excited. I really like him and he's like, I want to I like you. And I'm the first person he's ever met in show business. I'm the first like anything. He's like, I've never met an artist like you. I was like, oh, well. Um then he said then
0: um yeah, I like him. I like him. Ah, what's happening? What about you, PJ? Congratulations, Jenny. Yeah, well, we'll it's a little see. dry
3: over, over here. here. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: A little dry <laughs> and lonely, but I did the other day. I was going to the post office to ship orders and walked by this guy who was getting out of his car. He had a mask on. He looked like he might've been cute. We made eye contact. I wrote a note and put it on his car, but he didn't call. He didn't oh, call. Nice.
2: Good move, oh, he didn't call. He didn't, he didn't call. call. Oh, but I appreciate that
1: I like that move. Girl. That move is good. That's a great move. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have been like ugly as homemade sin when he took his mask off. I don't know, but whatever. Yeah, well, the is. guy
0: at the farmer's market, he looked good at the little farm stand. There you go. At 4E Farms. Just Me and uh, his name is, uh, I think it's Louise. Oh, Louise. <laughs> I put it in my you, Instagram story. I was like, hey, Where's boy. your farmer's market? Where's your farmer's market? Mine that's not open anymore. It's on I 110th think. Street. So this one stayed open. So I would go to them during the year because, you know, obviously I was trying to make this whole, like, life change with food and trying to make sure I get, I know where my my produce is coming from. And it's, there's no pesticides. Yeah, yeah. So every now and then you will get a dry caterpillar in there looking that's at you like, right. you see, ain't no pesticides. So what up? I'm okay but, with that. <laughs> but yeah, no, Louise and I are now on first name basis and we're he packages my produce up early. He's your produce boo. He's
1: yeah. my produce boo. He's
0: keeping you healthy. <laughs> he is. Now you guys know the passing of Little Richard was recent yeah. and um so the world has lost a rock and roll pioneer, iconic singer, and musician Little Richard. He passed away this Saturday at the age of 87. And after the news broke, many celebrities who knew Little Richard or were inspired by him reacted to his death, including Mick Jagger, Quincy Jones, Bob Dylan, Michelle Obama, and more. And actress Bette Midler wrote on Twitter, Little Richard was a genius, pure and simple. He paved the way for so many artists. So God bless you, she said. Eighty-seven is a good life, though. It's a good life. Since he died,
2: I mean, I've, I've, I've obviously know Little Richard music, but there's a song called Jenny, Jenny, which I had never heard, so I just downloaded that. And he sings, he sings a version of I Feel Pretty from um, from um, from West Side Story. I will never listen to the original again. He sings it fabulously. You got to listen to Little. Uh, go on YouTube, Little Richard, I Feel Pretty, and you're gonna, I, I it changed – That's it. That's what I'm doing my boobies dance to this year, Marina. If we have hooray for boobies this year. Oh
0: yes. Hooray for Boobies. Now I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. I just have I like the fact that Nicole something to celebrate during all of this, these stories that have come out. Nicole Hannah Jones, recently investigative journalist, was awarded by the 2020 Pulitzer Prize for commentary. Hannah Jones was awarded for her essay, America Wasn't a Democracy Until America Made It One, which began the sixteen nineteen project. Are you guys watch are you reading the sixteen nineteen project?
2: No, I was I had that's the first time I've heard anything about this. I was really curious. I don't know anything oh, about this.
0: Oh yeah, uh, wh- oh really? I thought we had you on the podcast and we were talking about it. No,
2: I haven't I haven't so
0: heard. it's very interesting. She has an amazing point of view and her perspective on how she approached
3: it is
2: Spot on. So where I'm, do you I'm, see I'm, I'm it? Is a it, like, is it New a York Times? New York oh,
0: okay. Times. Okay. Uh, the 1619 Project commemorated the four, 400th anniversary of the beginning of American chattel slavery. So it's not your go-to, Jenny. I mean, it's not like, yeah. you know, like you're not going to go, let me just look it up, huh? But <laughs> it is a great project that they will be using in schools now. Wow. That's That's, awesome. That is awesome because you know slavery and discussing of it. I don't know in Chicago schools. Where did you go to high school? I'm from Ohio. I'm actually not from. Oh, that's right. From Ohio, so no schooling in Chicago, none. Okay, Ohio University. That's right. So in Chicago, I grew up in the suburbs, like Park Forest, Richmond Park area, and some Highland Park too. Talking about slavery was like they didn't really bring it up. No, I mean, we had Native Son. I think we read Native Son or Huckleberry Finn, and but I don't remember a real in depth conversation about slavery.
2: I don't think any school has a curriculum about. I mean, they'll do something on MLK on MLK, and they'll do something and they'll they'll say something during Black History Month, but isn't there isn't anything I mean, we should we should all know Black history. It's American history, and we don't really know as much as we as we should. You yeah. Know? So yeah, there's no um,
3: concrete foundation in the education system for the topic of slavery, the history, yeah. the involvement, the, the you know, the legacy, any of right. it. It's just like sprinkled in, like they do MLK Day. Like they do
0: Black History Month. That's why yeah, this very, project is very light. Yeah. Right, and that's why this project is so important, and that they that she received the Pulitzer Award. Um, also, yeah. they featured a list of other impressive African Americans, including novelist Colson Whitehead, playwright Michael R. Jackson, poet Jericho Brown, composer Anthony Davis, renowned investigative journalist Ida B. Wells. A little late. P- posthumous, posthumously? Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Posthumously, yes. yeah, you did. Thank you. Keisha can't read sometimes. I want to thank you all so much for joining me today on the podcast. I know we had a little few bumps and whatever in the butt. It was really great episode. And PJ, what you're doing is tremendous. I mean, it inspired me and it helped me to help others and not feel so like Useless in Harlem. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna hit you up again, though. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I got another organization that I found for breast cancer and in, in uh, oh, for women yeah. of color from a, one of Leah's sorors. You may know her. Are you a soror of Leah's? Yes, youth? I am. Okay, so you may know her um, that she's connected me with for women of color who are surviving or and in, in dealing with breast cancer in New York City. I would love to be able to get them masks.
2: And I, I want to piggyback on that because I have an annual uh, breast cancer fundraiser that I have goodie bags in. So I might hit you up to give me some stuff for the goodie bags. Okay. Yeah. Out for breast cancer. Yeah.
0: Um, we always go and Diva, let me tell you, your story is so inspirational, and it's going to help so many women. It's already made me think about like lung cancer. I mean, Lungs is going to be a topic anyway for quite some time. So this is a perfect time to get on that. That's what I've been trying to
3: use my platform and my mission for. And this year, until the whole COVID thing, I was invited to go to Washington, D.C. to speak before Congress to help make change for non-smokers who get lung cancer because I started gaining such media traction. But then it got pushed back, so they told me next year, Going to let me come but I did get a chance to do a call in to some of the representatives, share my story, give my concerns, talk about what we're doing here in Arizona and how the platform and the landscape needs to be changed because my goal is to be the face of a national commercial to say if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. I went from working out six days a week to getting this debilitating disease. So we need to let people know that it can happen and here's the resources and how you can go about living your life moving forward so this disease doesn't get the best of you. so, I can't wait for next year. I'm excited. I'm on this plane of pushing, pushing, pushing. So that's why I keep doing my videos and trying to network with pharmaceutical companies and yeah. It's it's like it a process.
0: The one there are some good things about the pandemic. I mm-hmm. was able to get you all on from different my locations. Mind. We're yeah. not in the same area. I'm in New York. Jenny's in New York. She's in Times Square. I haven't seen Jenny. I'm I miss you, Jenny. I miss you, mommy. She's been my she was my She's advocate. So During my whole all the time, yeah, like I've been here forever. Yeah, we go out on also a friends like us, and what you're doing next. And you already said what you're doing next, but just tell them where they can find you. Um, So Marina Franklin here, and with friends like us, which I know this is new for both of you but it just sums up the show and it's sort of like you usually would say with friends like us, you don't need enemies, but instead I'm going to say something else that sums up this moment and I'm hopefully it's good. (laughs) Um, I'll go next so they can see. Okay. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com where you can check out my special, especially now. What else you got to do? Single black female, go and check it out on Amazon prime. Eventually I think it's going to be on the CW network. So you could see it there too. Follow all things friends like us. We're bringing you more content so you don't feel so alone during this time. And with friends like us, you get to bring together a group of women of color from all areas of the map together in a safe, social distancing way that is useful for everyone. (laughs) I did it. <laughs> Yay, Keisha! Uh, thank you, Jenny. I'm glad Pat. Pat always <laughs>, laughs at me when I try to do my friends like us.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Jenny Saldana here. You can find me at jennysaldana dot com. Uh, the Little Brown Girl Show on Instagram. The Little Brown Girl Show. But I'm not doing. I'm doing a whole bunch of Facebook videos. Like on a Friday night, I usually like either do uh, quarantine karaoke or I just kind of do my own. One day, I just decided I wanted to sing 80s. Uh, TV theme songs. And I usually do that just dancing around my apartment in my panties and a t shirt. So <laughs> I'm just like, if today, if I were to do it today, I'd be in this. And whatever I'm wearing in my house, what I do the show in. And that's on my personal page, Jenny L. Saldana on Facebook, Jenny L. Saldana, but the Little Brown Girl Show and Hooray for Boobies on Twitter, Hooray double O, the number four, and Boobies. And with friends like us, we can keep being our brother's keeper
0: oh nice diva okay you can find me diva
3: danielle williams for comedy you can go to my website daniellewilliamscomedy.com if you want to follow me on instagram i do share a lot of stuff through videos and pictures on instagram about my cancer journey it's one and only diva danielle so it's the number one and only diva danielle I also post videos on my YouTube page, which is under the letter D Entertainment Diva. It's all one word, D Entertainment Diva, because I tag everything with Diva. And I started an organization before I got sick, when I was working out in the community doing nonprofit work, and then I was able to get college credit for it, for the educational platform that I designed to teach entrepreneurs, youth, and nonprofits especially, how to use their voice and also gain media attractions. So it's a public speaking workshop that I was able to teach for six months for the seventh and eighth graders at the Peoria Elementary. So it's thejpsl.com. But keep looking out for me because I'm sharing my platform because I'm going to Washington DC next year and I'm gonna help make change for non-smokers who get lung cancer because a lot of information out there that we still need to keep that conversation going with. And I wanna say with friends like us, it's true. You know, who can do better? friends like us, we can because we're all helping each other one day at a time to get through this quarantine, but also make a difference in our lives going forward. And I feel like I'm a better person today because I got a chance to know all of you and you're doing some incredible stuff and it's just inspired me. So thank you.
1: Aw. Thank you, Diva. PJ McGuire. And if you want to buy a mask so that a mask can be donated, obviously in New York. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because Marina wants me to send more masks. So if everybody wants to buy a mask, or if you're at home doing your hair and beauty routine and want to buy a wraparoo, they can be found at www.raparoo.com And that dot com. And you can find me on Instagram at The Wraparoo. And Facebook is just wraparoo. And let's see, with friends like us, we can all improve each other's lives and make a difference in our communities. Yes.
0: Ah, wow, wonderful. Check, Check us, us out! out. <laughs>